Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Amber Sherlock. It's Wednesday, September 14. Our two experts on today's show here for the full hour. Joining me, Carl Capolingua from Think Markets and Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Thanks for both of you today. Now, before we get into the stocks of the day, let's have a quick chat about the market. Obviously, huge losses today after Wall Street had its biggest fall in two years after shock inflation figures out of the US. Uh, Let's go first to you, Michael. Where do you see our market going from here? Are there bigger falls to come? Yeah, look, it's always difficult to say. I mean, everything is perspective in the end of the day. And although the US markets fell a lot overnight, they're really only back to where they were a week ago. So the US markets were rallying into this announcement, the announcement underwhelmed, um, and we've seen those expectations for interest rates and inflation get recalibrated again. So I, I do think the, the volatility that we've been seeing will continue. Um, it's very hard to get a good reading on where inflation is truly going. Um, we do think it will moderate in time, but it's just a matter of how quickly. Um, and the analysts keep revising lower their earnings expectations looking out next year and the year out. So. That's going to continue to put pressure on earnings forecasts and continue to put pressure on prices as well, looking at the the P-E ratio of the markets. So we wouldn't be surprised if the markets go back and retest the lows from a couple of months ago, Um, but you never know. (laughs) Carl, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, Must be pretty uncomfortable sitting on the fence there, Michael. But look, uh, I think I've got to join you, though, as comfortable as it might be. I mean, look, it's been a fighting retreat for this uh, quote unquote bear market. Now, of course, the Australian market is not officially in a bear market, but it just feels like that. And, you know, us talking heads tend to call it that. Certainly uh, in the US, they did officially get into into a bear market. They're certainly on the S&P 500. The Nasdaq actually pulled out of it and potentially resuming it. What I'm trying to say is that even on the way down, there were so many white candles. So, Amber, I'm a technical analyst. I like to look at my charts and particularly my I've, Japanese I've been candles. warned. You've been warned. <laughs> All right. So the, the way you get a white candle is when you, you, you open fairly low on the trading session, but you close quite high in the trading session. So it indicates demand in the system, latent demand accumulation in the market. Now, certainly that white, white candle might occur from a lower gap open, Right, because you're heading down, there's lots of bad news, you're in a bear market, but then you get the rally. So uh, it's, it's been a very interesting, uh, um, you know, last few months for me, punctuated by this fighting retreat. And then you get these huge rallies when, uh, when you know, the, the, the bad news stops for a little while, and then it just it can just change like that, and you get back into these, what we call the big black candles, uh, where there's lots of selling. So bottom line is, lots of white candles, lots of black candles, lots of volatility. And what I've been telling clients now for many, many months, uh, even uh, viewers on Ausbiz, is you can, it doesn't mean you can't trade, but find, you know, find the best charts to go long, find the, the worst charts to go short. I think you need to start to 
incorporate that into your, uh, you know, into your, your your portfolio of strategies. I mean, we talk about having a diversified portfolio. For most people, that just means buying more stocks. Okay. Well, if you've got more stocks, you're not more diversified. You've just got more risk. So understand that markets do go down. Understand what short selling is and and the role it plays in your portfolio. So what I've been telling clients is have some longs have some shorts, but overall those positions are very small. So risk money bets each way and have very high cash positions. And I'm, I'm saying that today. Okay, great. Let's take a preview of the first five stocks picked by our viewers. Sigma Healthcare, we're looking at today. That's number one. Novanix, followed by Zip, Horizon, and finally Qantas. They're the top five today. But first, let's look at the stock of the day. We had a quick chat about this yesterday, Lake Resources, but it was one of the worst performers yesterday. Now, that's after it updated investors on the progress made on its pilot project agreement with Lilac Solutions. It's understood a dispute has arisen uh, with respect to the timing of key milestones outlined in the Karchi pilot project agreement. Some of these milestones include completing at least 1,000 hours of operation and producing a lithium carbonate feed. Now under the agreement, if Lilac Solutions doesn't achieve the milestones, then Lake Resources has share buyback rights it may exercise. Lake Resources considers these milestones must be achieved by September 30, but Lilac says it has till November 30. Lake Resources is exercising its right to resolve the dispute either by agreement between both parties or arbitration. Let's take a quick look about how they're trading today. Okay, not too badly, Carl. What's your take on this? Yeah, look, it's a it's a bit of a bit of a tat, isn't it? That's going on here, and um, Lake obviously down far more than the rest of the lithium uh, sector. So you're looking at sort of two to three percent falls, uh, maybe Vulcans at about six. So certainly, it's it's more than just the the, the poor effort from the broader market. So this the market hasn't liked it. The market doesn't like uncertainty. It's just another level of uncertainty for the for the project. Um, but, you know, putting this aside, uh, potatoes, potatoes, uh, the, I think, you know, the, the, they'll get through it. Um, and looking on the other side of that, you know, they, they're still a fair ways away from production. So I think there's better opportunities in the lithium space. Go for somebody that's maybe a little bit closer closer to production, like a Lion Town Resources would, would be a pick, uh, certainly over Lake. It's not one of my preferred exposures in the space. If you look at the chart, the chart is significantly inferior as well to the others. Um, if you're looking for uh, ones that are in production, uh, all chem, uh, obviously AKE is still a, a better place to go. So- Buy, hold um, or sell? Uh, for Lake, uh, look, I, I would I would, I would, would sell it on the basis that there are better, better, sell this one and go buy one of the other ones. I just don't think this is, this is your pick in the space. Uh, do you agree, Michael? Yeah, I would echo that sentiment. It's definitely a smaller player. Um, it's got a, a unique, um, operation with unique technology, if you like. If you think about that briny, salty water that sits um, beside mines, um, often it's just left to evaporate under the sun. They've got some technology which they're looking to roll out so that they can speed up that process. So there is something interesting there, but it's just whether or not you move away from convention uh, and you back uh, the new technology. But it, like Carl points out, we have some very high quality lithium producers in this country, Pilbara, Alkene, Mineral Res, um, a few others as well. So whilst lithium price is higher, I feel as though you're better off investing in those companies that are producing a lot today and have the opportunity to increase that production uh, in the near term as well. So 
For mine, I'm going to go a sell on lake and a rotation into something else. Okay, great. Now let's get right into it. Our first stock of the day picked by you. Steve wants the expert's opinion on Sigma Healthcare. Now Sigma is a network of independent and franchised pharmacies and healthcare providers across Australia. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on Sigma? So Sigma, you'd probably be more familiar with it, many of the viewers from the AMCAL um, chemists that are, that are out around the place. They also have a lot of distribution that goes to people like Chemist Warehouse. Um, they did lose a large chemist warehouse contract last year or maybe even the year before, which forced them to basically um, restructure their business and turned out to actually to be a good thing in, in many ways. It allowed them to um, reduce their costs significantly, improve their profitability going forward as well. But with companies like this, we are conscious of the fact that margins are very, very tight. Um, so it doesn't take much to go wrong for these businesses to see their revenue drop and their earnings disappear pretty quickly. Um, in saying that, uh, the, the, the consensus out in the market is for a couple of years of ongoing compound earnings growth, um, particularly now that the, the capex cycle for that business has come to an end. They do have a lot of distribution centers as well, which operating below capacity, which means if they are able to bring on new contracts, they can do that fairly easily without increasing costs. So, Look, it's a business that will probably be around for a long time. Demand for those healthcare products and, and different types of, of medicines and therapies is going to maintain, it's going to grow along with the population. It's just whether or not they're able to generate you know, much earnings growth given their, minor, their small margins. So for us, um, it's a sell. We prefer other businesses in that space. Uh, Carl, do you agree with Michael that it's a sell? No, I'm going to go the opposite way on this because, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking at my technicals. The chart looks really good. So it's pretty much bottom left, top right, which is, let's face it, pretty rare these days to find a chart that, that is doing that. Um, even today, you know, it opened lower. So I'm just checking my numbers here. Opened around 69 cents and it's trading higher. So it's trading back, uh, back around 71 cents. So it's showing you it's that white candle. Again, it's showing that when it does pull back, there's still plenty of demand in the system. So you've got these algorithmic buy orders that are just sitting there just sitting there just ebbing away chipping away uh, maybe it's coming from HMC who's taken a pretty big stake in the company so um, obviously looking for those defensive health-based assets and I think definitely falls into that category so um, a defensive uh, defensive cluster of assets there they're cycling a bit of a bump from uh, COVID because they sold a you know, bunch of rats and a bunch of PPE but once they get over that uh, as Michael said there is some really good uh, growth expected in the business so we think it's it's pretty cheap actually we've got a price target uh, around about 78 to 81 cents and with the chart looking pretty good I can't see any reason why it can't get there so I think it suits you you, you maybe more defensive uh, investor it's probably going to be a slow grind to get there but given I think it will I'm going to go buy Excellent. We love a little bit of disagreement on the call here. Let's uh, see what we think about our second stock today. It's from Harry. He wants to know about Novanix, which is a battery materials and technology company enabling the electric vehicle market as well as the grid energy storage. Now, shares in Novanix soared yesterday to become one of the top performance of performers of the ASX. They haven't released any announcements, but it seems to be on the back of rising lithium and battery tech shares following recent broker upgrades. Look, Carl, there's a lot of demand for electric vehicles and a wide supply gap in the market what's your take on this buy sell or hold yeah look I mean I think Novonics will play a role in that bigger picture and in terms of narratives amazing narrative they make are going to make uh, the anodes which are used in about 90% of all EV batteries they're working on as you said grid uh, grid 
sized uh, storage batteries as well. They've got a, a cathode business, which is exciting technology under development. And they've got the existing battery technology solutions uh, where they're doing a lot of uh, battery testing as well. And that's where the, the revenue is coming from. Now, the future revenue is going to come from the anode business. They're building a, a huge uh, mega uh, production facility out there in Chattanooga in Tennessee in the United States. Uh, they've, they've got binding offtake agreements with a number of the major uh, you know, global battery producers. And, you know, it all sounds good. Uh, production potentially starting around about now. So they've been looking uh, at an initial target of 10,000 um, tonnes per annum of product and it's going to ramp up over a few years. So it all sounds great. And that's kind of where it stops for me because, you know, market cap is about 1.1 billion for a company that's not going to make any money for about four years at best. So everything goes perfectly to plan. You're probably looking at four, maybe five years that actually starts to make a profit. And this is where I think investors fall into that trap of, focusing on this great narrative, uh, but not understand the underlying business fundamentals. It's still too far out for me. The chart is horrific. It's top left, bottom right. It's the <laughs> opposite of what I want to see. And I think for my third time in a row on the call, I'm going to go sell on Novonix. Third time in a row. Wow. Okay, Michael, what are you thinking? Look, it's not a business that we've ever looked at in much detail. It obviously caught our eye because it's one of those companies that just took off and yeah. went parabolic a couple of years ago. But a lot of the hype started to come out of the share price for reasons that Carl uh, indicates. Um, basically, it's a great story. The world is going to need a lot more battery storage capacity in the years to come. Um, if you look at sort of the electric vehicle demand in Europe at the moment, about seven or eight percent of new electric vehicles, uh, new vehicles are electric. They want to get that up to 70 percent by 2030. So that just gives an indication of where the industry is heading. So there are definitely going to be a lot of battery businesses globally that do succeed, but at this early stage and businesses in its infancy such as NVX, it's very difficult to predict whether they will be amongst the winners. Um, for a business that's not really going to produce anything for three, four, five years and start to see the revenue come through, you've also got to ask questions over its funding. How often is it going to have to keep coming back to the market to raise capital to keep, to keep um, developing those products? So for mine, it's very elevated on the risk curve. Yes, the long-term story and thematic makes sense. Um, but at this stage, I think it's a little bit premature to start jumping into something like this, especially if you're not truly aware um, of all the competitors that are out there and all the competing technologies and types of batteries that are out there. So for mine, I'm going to go a sell. Sell as well. Uh, Carl called it uh, Novonix. And you Amber? said NVX. NVX is the code. <laughs> it's a bit easier. So I was like, should we go with Novonix? I'm happy to go with you, Carl. Yes. Yeah, I'll just add uh, the question about funding. So I can yes. answer that question. There's two, 200 million in the bank on a $40 million per annum cash burn. So I'm, I predict that they actually will have enough cash to get to, a, to, pro, to their maiden profit. So I think that's a big tick for them, though. That's, but you're still on a sell. I'm still going to go sell based upon the chart. <laughs> can't, yep. can't, can't twist your arm on that. You can't, you can't argue with the charts, can you, Carl? I think, look, I think it'll be a buy at some stage. Yep. And, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll be up here to tell people when that is. But I just need to see the chart turn up. So I like the story, as I said. Yep. But without, it, without the chart going up, why would you buy it? A good narrative, but just doesn't have the business <laughs> fundamentals just yet, right? OK, well, yes, poor Novonix. Is that, that's what we're calling it today. Um, it's a sell from both of them. Let's move on to stock three. Let's see if we get agreement from this one. This one's from Frank. He wants to know about Zip. Zip is a buy now, pay later company. Uh, very fashionable at the moment, these companies. Uh, Carl, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I would, I think your only hope on this one is it gets 
taken over basically because I think that as we talked about poor business fundamentals, uh, I, I think this one falls into that category as well. We talked about Novonics, you know, something that had a great narrative and you know, Zip at one stage had a great narrative as well, this you know, huge embracing of buy now, pay later uh, and all of these massive, massive growth rates that uh, investors became enamored with. Unfortunately, what you can see on screen is, is the reality, which is the, the chart. And I do counsel viewers to, to please, I know you, you're obsessed with your fundamentals, but take the time, just take a, a 30 seconds to go look at the chart because when those trends start to flatten out as you can see there on the uh, around october uh, 2021 or whatever it is uh, on the far left uh, that's your indication that the, the huge demand influx that was in place it's being met by supply in the market i'm talking about supply for the company shares when demand and supply are equal price goes sideways when supply takes over and demand backs away because they can't see the business opportunity anymore, you're gonna get that price going down. So understand when trends change, you can avoid this. You don't have to hold zips all the way down. You don't have to hold the phonics all the way down. Um, and this is a, a, you know, a perfect cautionary tale. I'm still a sell on this one. I, I can't get to a buy, um, but maybe it gets taken over at, at, at $1.50 and I'm proven wrong. Okay, Michael, what do you think? What a story um, all these buy now, pay later companies were. They right. were really booming for yes. so long and they emerged so quickly, but the wind has come out of it equally as quickly, unfortunately. Uh, we don't really get to see through to Afterpay given it was acquired by Block, but in the case of Zip, probably not that much has really changed with the business. It's just that sentiment is shot um, and valuations globally for these sorts of growth stories have come down considerably. Um, the company probably offers a more diversified offering than many of the other competing buy now, pay later companies. Um, the terms of the financing can vary a little bit as well. But the thing is, the company did a large acquisition to expand into the US and that market's been okay. But they also expand into places like Singapore, which they've since had to retreat from as they look to consolidate the business model. Their recent update um, suggested that the company's unlikely to meet their target of cash flow break even by by this year. Um, so that's a miss. Um, you look at things like financing costs are likely to go up as well with rising interest rates. They've seen um, various cost inflation across the business. Their expenses are quite high. Their bad and doubtful debts in a rising interest rate environment have also started to increase. So there are a few concerning issues um, facing Zip going forward. The reality is they've started to sacrifice growth in order to drive that free cash flow or that cash flow positivity. They've increased their pricing. Um, so that will see them probably lose market share, but they're doing that in order to preserve the balance sheet a little bit better, which is sort of what the market's looking for in this type of environment. So the business is happily sacrificing competitive advantage, but it's almost a bit of a, not a competitive advantage, but sacrificing market share, but it's almost a bit of a race at the moment to win market share in order to sort of succeed on the long-term horizon. So. It's a very challenging environment for all these businesses going forward. Um, Zip does rely a lot on the top 20% of customers that do up to 75 transactions a year. That's mm -hmm. up from 50 transactions last year. In the US, the transactions for the top 10% of customers is about 50. So if they can get the repeat business out of the US, out of the US consumers that they've got in Australia, there's possible upside there. But again, I just think it's a very challenged environment. Valuations have come down. Uh, financing is going to be a lot more expensive. Bad debts are going to increase. So I just think um, I would steer clear, even though the price has come back a long, long way. So a sell? A sell. Okay, we're in agreements for Zip. It's a sell from Carl and a sell from Michael. Let's move on to stock four, because Jason wants to know about Horizon. 
Uh, it's Australia's largest freight rail transport company, formerly named QR National. Now, it's the world's largest rail transporter of coal from mine to port. It transports more than 250 million tonnes of Australian commodities every year. In July, it completed the acquisition of One Rail Australia for $2.35 billion. Carl, what are your thoughts on this stock? Uh, well, geez, we've taken a big pivot to boring, haven't we, from the last two? So exciting, <laughs> robotics and, and zip and all those narratives yeah. and growth. And the narrative here is it, it transports uh, you know, bulk commodities from point A to point B. Uh, so it could be uh, metals, iron ore, uh, grain and coal. So East Coast operations largely coal. Now they're looking to sell those as part of uh, their recent one rail purchase, which is more on the bulk side. So it's a business in transition. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it's hard to get excited about it. So looking at uh, broker consensus numbers, you're looking at literally 1% compound annual growth rate for the next four years. And that's just not my style. So look, it's got a great dividend yield. I get that. So some people might be interested. I, 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 somehow I get Horizon a lot on the call. I'm not sure why um, viewers are so enamored with this one. Maybe it is the yield because it's about 6% fully frank. So I know there's a lot of defensive investors out there, but with so little growth to drive capital gains, it just cannot be on my radar. So I think it's overvalued. I think you're paying too much for what's there um, and the yield is not enough to keep me in. The trend is average. You can you can see there, you know, it's pretty much, uh, what would you call it, say top left, bottom right. Um, so with all those crosses uh, in boxes, which need to be ticked for me to call it a buy, I have to go sell. Okay, it's a sell from Carl. Michael, do you agree? I'm gonna go sell as well. Um, it's basically been associated with coal uh, for, for a long time and coal's, as we know, a, a very dirty word. So the business is trying to evolve itself and become less reliant on coal, which they expect to phase out completely by FY31. Um, the company is expected to see a bit of an uplift in earnings um, or revenues. However, that's pretty much going to be offset by the increased um, debt financing costs that the businesses will face. Um, they are looking to, to spin off that East Coast Rail asset, which will reduce that debt burden. And some in the market expect close to 900 mil of bill valuation for that asset. Um, so they are looking to, to change the structure of the business. They're looking to diversify their earnings streams um, away from coal, which I think long-term will see the discount that it trades on relative to the ASX industrials will narrow a little bit. Um, but even still, the business isn't the most exciting when you've got a portfolio of, of 20 stocks or whatever. It's got to be a pretty, pretty interesting opportunity to, to make you excited. And this one really doesn't tick the box for me. So um, even though we've seen a big uplift in coal prices, it hasn't really flown through to a business like this. So I'm going to go a sell. A sell, a sell from you as well. All right, let's move on to stock number five. It's from Paul. He wants to know about Qantas. Now, obviously, Qantas has been in the news for all the wrong reasons. Its brand has taken an absolute bashing with delayed and cancelled flights, lost luggage, poor customer service. It's also been affected by strikes and workforce shortages, as well as the increased cost of fuel. And let's not forget the CEO's uh, salary going back to pre-COVID levels. But it has benefited from strong travel demand post-COVID. Um, look, it's, it's not making... Uh, very great headlines in the news, but what about its shares? Is it a buy, hold or sell? Look, a lot in the market do like this, but I'm not one of them. Um, many argue that the cycle for travel has turned and we're definitely seeing evidence of that demand for, for air travel has gone through the roof. Um, so far, the capacity constraints have limited the amount of volumes um, in many ways. Qantas has a very profitable frequent flyer book, um, but 
management over the last 10 years um, have really boosted up Qantas's profitability by not renewing the airline fleet as quickly as they have in the past. So the average aircraft um, that Qantas owns is now aged about 10 to 13 years, whereas in the past it's been closer to six. Just instilling more confidence so, in uh, Qantas <laughs> customers there. <laughs> so at some point in the near term, maybe when Alan Joyce moves on, they're going to have to go out to market and renew that fleet somewhat. Um, so that's something to be conscious of, and that will have a downward impact on profitability at some stage. Um, but just looking at airlines in general, yes, the, the conditions are more favourable now. Everyone's looking to get out and travel, but you've always got to factor in energy prices. Um, you've got to factor in the intense competition in the airline industry, uh, the Australian dollar, for instance, as well. There are so many variables that go into a successful year for Qantas. And there's no guarantee looking out one, two, three years that all those variables will be in your favour. So history is littered with the carcasses of airlines that have gone belly up. Qantas has got a favourable support network from the government and some of the ownership structure. So it's unlikely to go belly up, but it's unlikely to be a profitable company year in, year out, predictably. And for that reason, it's very hard to value. So we have a sell. Um, I'm really interested to see, even though it's being absolutely trashed in yeah. the media, that the share price hasn't been as bad as perhaps you'd expect when your brand is just absolutely pummeled. Well, you've seen airline costs or airline prices um, or airfare tickets yep. go up 50% in six months or so. Um, they dominate the domestic market with Jetstar, where they've got about 65, 70% of the market. So as everyone's come out of lockdown, looking to travel again and get in touch with family members, people are desperate to travel again, so they're willing to pay those prices. So there's been pretty orderly competition in the airline market for the first time in a long time. Historically, there's been intense competition from Virgin, where they'll just drive airfares lower in order to win market share. But at the moment, we don't see evidence of that. Um, the international market is opening up, but a lot of airlines stopped coming to Australia there for a while. And, and although they might be back, they're certainly not flying as frequently. So there's so a lot going on. So customers are hating on. it, but they've got no choice. This is what you're telling me. That's right. At the <laughs> moment, for the moment, they're looking to prioritise profitability and really get themselves back in good shape after the COVID. I hear um, seats to London are very hard to come by on Qantas oh, at really? the moment after the death <laughs> of the Queen. Uh, Carl, uh, what do you think? Well, yeah, I can see how, I mean, definitely there's a bunch of potential bad stuff out there and there's a bunch of good stuff. And it, I guess beauty is in the eye of the behold on this one. So which way are you leaning? I think Michael's leaning more towards the bad stuff. I'm leaning <laughs> more towards the good stuff. Um, so I, look, I really liked their last last results. So obviously that they um, a $400 million buyback. They paid back a bunch of debt. There's a billion dollars worth of cost outs. Uh, they're back to 100% of uh, pre-COVID domestic capacity. International's coming back. They've got massive pricing power. I don't think we're going to see, you know, a dozen new airlines pop up any anytime soon. So Qantas is, you know, the incumbent and they're, they're still, they've still, you know, got us where they want us, right? And the prices aren't going to stay as elevated as they are, but they, they won't come back uh, to, to major discounting wars either. I think they're going to stay, you know, they're going to land higher than they were pre-COVID. And that just means ongoing profits. And, you know, the growth outlook uh, is pretty good now. I, I think they're going to grow pretty well from here. I don't think they're sort of trading at sort of crazy expensive prices either. So so it's it's one thing to have growth. We're going to talk about a few business, businesses today that have reasonable growth in them, but you want to get that growth at a good price. And I think you are actually getting it at a good price on Qantas. And uh, this is actually the cheap, out of, out of all the valuations we have, 
um, on stocks today, this is the cheapest one, I think. This is the one that could potentially have the most upside. So we've got a 7.38 price target on Qantas, and that's using some pretty conservative estimates. Now, I know, as Michael said, a lot can go wrong, and we've factored that in as well. But I do think, um, and the dividend's going to come back as well. And if you remember, they actually paid pretty good dividends uh, pre-COVID. So uh, long story short, the chart's turning up as well. And it's kind of one of those ones uh, where today I've talked about a few. Well, I don't mind it, but the chart's no good. Look, I like this one. It looks cheap and the chart looks good. So I go tick, 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 buy on this one. But understand, look, market's volatile right now. So you might get it at a little bit of a cheaper price. Um, I, I think anywhere around about $5 is, 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 is OK to buy it. If it gets below that, then the trend is starting to change. I'll reassess it. Uh, Michael mentioned the ageing fleet. Does that worry you at all? Oh, it worries me if I'm flying. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> as, as far as far as an investor, no, I'm sure I'm sure they've got a plan for. It. Actually, I'll just add one one very quick thing. They provided FY23 and FY24 guidance. Now that is like, tell me who else has done that out of all the companies on the ASX? So I mean, it just speaks to the confidence in the business right now. All right, let's summarise the first five stocks and the stock of the day. First, we talked about Lake Resources. Uh, Carl said sell on the basis that there's better ones in the market. Michael agrees with that sell sentiment. Better off uh, investing in those that are producing right now. So agreement with Lake Resources, it's a sell. Uh, Sigma Healthcare, our first viewer, uh, picked stock of the day. Carl said looking at the charts, there's some growth to be had. He thinks it's a buy. Uh, Michael disagrees. Michael says it's a sell. There are better operators in the market. uh, let's go NVX. Uh, Carl, it's a sell. Production potentially starting now. Initial target of 10,000 tonnes per annum, but they're not going to make any money for about four to five years. So a great narrative, but no business fundamentals. A sell from Carl. Michael agrees. He says it's a sell. Lots of electric vehicle demand globally, but it's elevated on the risk curve. It's a little too early to jump in on this. Uh, let's move to Zip. Carl says sell. Poor business fundamentals. The best hope there is a takeover. Michael says sell as well. Sentiment is shot. The company has a more diversified offering than other buy now pay later companies but they do have a few concerning issues including their expenses which are quite high so a double sell there Uh, horizon carl says sell for the third time it's a bit boring it's hard to get excited it's not on his radar please carl tell us how you really feel it's overvalued a definite sell from carl michael also agrees a lot of agreement today it's a sell the business is trying to be less reliant on coal. And finally, Qantas, Carl says buy. He likes their latest result. They're back to 100% domestic capacity, massive pricing power. Michael says sell. He doesn't like it. Energy prices, uh, intense competition and an ageing fleet behind that decision. So they're the top five of the day. And the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is peaked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in with that portfolio update. And at the last meeting, Universal Store, next DC, the Lottery Corp, ResMed and Oz Minerals were removed. Karoon Energy, Boss Resources, Washington H, Sol's Pats, Premier Investments and South 32 were added. So let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, our fund is 5.38% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website.
right. All right, let's take a look at our next five shares. They include Better Shares Australia, 200 ETF, uh, Brambles, Suncorp, St Barbara and Babcor. Uh, let's go straight into stock number six. It's from Terry, Better Shares Australia 200. Uh, Better Shares is a leading ETF manager. Uh, FT, Carl, what do you think? We'll go to Carl first. Yeah, well, uh, look, if, you, if you're buying this one, you're effectively buying the whole index. That's kind of what they're trying to do. So rather than you going, well, hey, uh, Qantas looks good uh, and uh, Novonics looks bad, uh, I'll buy one and, and, and short the other um, because they're both in the uh, 200. Correct me if I'm mistaken, Michael will know. Uh, but but you, you're going to buy the whole basket. So it's kind of uh, investing, but not having an opinion, really. Uh, and that's not my style, really. I mean, I'm about finding uh, the, the bottom left, top right charts, the ones that, that uh, uh, you know, are showing good, good value and buying those and shorting the other ones. So just from a style issue, I can't get excited. The other thing I would suggest is that I'm not all that bullish on stocks in general. So if anything, I think there's there's a, I mean, just look at that chart there. I think the, the trend is more and more developing to the downside. I think risks are growing that we get this one uh, big sell off uh, that, that a lot of people have been talking about. And we take out those uh, June lows. So on that basis, um, I would say uh, it's not a buy. Um, I'm not sure if people have it. Um, you know, if they, I wouldn't call it a hold. I think people are more looking at this. Well, um, what do I do with some, some some cash lying around? If that's the case, I think the best time to buy something like this is after you've had that big leg down, after you've had a big crash. You can't figure out what to buy. It's a big, you know, there's a big panic out in the market. Who knows what the best thing to buy is? So just buy them all. So that's, I think, the best time to use it. So it's not, it's, it's a, I guess, if it can't be a buy or a hold, I guess it's a sell for me. I guess yep. that's where I'm going with it. Okay, yep. Michael, what do you think? It depends on what type of investor. Um, there's certain investors that love the passive nature of something like this. They can just park their money in it. They don't have to watch the markets and then they can go to their investment savings in 20, 30 years time um, and expect looking back at history that the market will have gone up and that they would have made some good capital gains and some dividends. However, um, with something like this, I think it's always about the timing. Um, you look at the, the ASX 200 today is roughly the same level, only that it was in 2008 before the GFC. However, if you bought it in 2009 or 2010, you've done very, very well on a capital gains basis. Otherwise, if you've held it since before the GFC, really you've only made the dividends. So. I, my preference now for a passive ETF would be looking at something in the US, maybe the NASDAQ, maybe the S&P 500, which are down 20, 30% respectively. Um, and particularly also if you believe that the Aussie dollar is gonna come under pressure relative to the US, say the US increase interest rates higher and faster than here in Australia, then you can expect that to play out. So for the first time really in five, 10 years, maybe the US offers more attractive proposition given the valuations and the prices have come back a long way. I'm not suggesting go out and do that right now, but these are the sorts of uh, thought processes you have to go through in order to try and determine if, it, if you wanna buy something like this now. Um, you've also gotta understand what, um, what this ETF comprises of, what are the underlying investments. So you're getting the ASX 200, but mainly what it's driving the performance of the Aussie markets, which has been very good of late, is the banks and the miners. So, Within the top 10 holdings, you've got the big four banks, you've got Macquarie, so that's five banking organisations and finance organisations just in the top 10. So you've really got to take a view on whether you think the Australian banks are going to grow in share price from here in order to drive the ETF higher. 
Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, and I think you might get quite subdued returns looking at the ASX broader market. So therefore, I think it makes sense to look below the surface for some of those emerging leaders, the businesses that might break into the ASX top 20 or ASX top 10 down the track. So for mine, I'm just going to give it a hold on a very long-term time horizon. But in the short term, I think you can sell um, and try and look for other uh, individual businesses that have been beaten up a lot. Just one final thing on this particular ETF. Um, Beta shares suggest that it's the lowest cost Australian ASX 200 ETF in the world. So you are getting a cost-effective broad exposure to Australian equities. And for a lot of people as part of a broader portfolio, that will make sense. Okay, great. Let's move on to stock seven. It's from Brook and it's Brambles, which is an Aussie logistics company that specialises in the pooling of equipment, pallets, crates and containers. Now it's pinning its hopes on an ongoing digital transformation to try and deal with ongoing shortages of things like timber, which it needs to make its pallets. But despite these challenges, its operating profit was up 10% last financial year. Uh, Michael, buy, hold or sell? Look, Brambles is a fairly run-of-the-mill, safe, but boring type businesses, basically provides pallets, um, which is used in the shipping of different goods. Um, they've recently increased their prices in order to address years of subdued profitability, and the market has responded quite well for that. There was 17% price increase last year. They're also factoring 8% price increases next year, and then 5% the year after. Um, they also are at threat, I think, longer term from the, the advent of e-commerce. Um, less people going into to the shopping centres and, and department stores means that there's less need for big bulk transfers of goods on pallets. Nevertheless, um, the business is trying a lot at the moment um, to, to sort of pick up after what's been a pretty, pretty um, you know, tough period for them. But you have to always remember with a company like this, it's very capital intensive. Whatever earnings they do manage to achieve, a lot of that does have to go back into the business and be spent on CapEx. Uh, there's also a number of variables such as lumber, uh, the price of lumber, which does have a, a big impact on things. But at the moment, I'm happy to go a hold. Um, a hold because I do think there are some positive signs that the business is building some, some decent momentum. But on a long-term horizon, again, it's one of those ones I struggle to get too excited about. <laughs> uh, Carl, what about you? Do you struggle to get excited about Brambles? No, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm a bit excited about Brambles. <laughs> I, I think this, the basis of, of uh, look, it's hard to get excited about pallets, isn't it? But it, it, there's such a ubiquitous part of the supply chain. You Probably uh, the chair you're sitting on right now, it, it went to office works on, on a pallet, let's face it, right? The uh, Whatever you had for lunch, uh, the ingredients had to get somewhere on a pallet. Brambles is actually a very, very defensive business on that basis, but you still need to have a business case. So, you know, uh, revenue in, uh, less expenses out, net profit, and you have to pay the right price for that profit. So uh, I think much of that capital, um, that CapEx is behind them. They had obviously took a big charge in the last 12 months because lumber prices shot up just like every other commodity did. But I challenge people, go have a look at the chart of lumber right now. The chart of lumber is very much uh, like Novonics or Zip. It had that big spike, but it's really, really um, basically crashed since then. So that is actually a major uh, tailwind for Brambles going forward, not a headwind, because it is a major uh, input cost for them. And the, as you say, the, the investment in technology, it's largely done and it is starting to bear fruit. The growth going forward, sort of, you know, 10%, 11%, 
pretty good compared to uh, companies on the ASX. You just have to pay the right price for it. And I think that's where the investment case starts to stumble a bit. I think it's fairly valued. I think this, it's it's about the right value. Having said that, when I defer to the chart, the chart looks pretty good. So I'm with Michael. I can absolutely 100% get to a hold on this one. I'm not quite sure it's a buy, though, but it's something I'll keep a close eye on. Okay, two holds from Carl and Michael. Let's take a look at stock number eight. That's from Darren. He wants the expert's opinion on Suncorp, the finance, insurance and banking corporation based in Brisbane. Now, it's expected to revive efforts to buy Zurich Australia's general insurance operation after reaching a deal to sell its banking division to ANZ for $4.9 billion. That deal still needs approval from the ACCC and the jury is still out on whether that would be too much concentration in the banking market. Uh, Carl, let's go to you. What do you think of Suncorp? Uh, I don't, look, I, I don't mind it. I mean, obviously, insurance is is uh, is doing very well at the moment because uh, obviously they're taking a bunch of premiums from us. While they've got it, they invest it. So for Suncorp, for example, about 90% of those investments are in very boring sort of fixed interest style investments. And we know that the, the, the yields on those fixed interests, so we're talking bonds here, have gone up from next to nothing not that long ago. This time last year, yields at nothing. I know what I was getting on my term deposits. And now they're sort of three and a half, four, four percent because, um, you know, thanks, Mr. Powell. Uh, and uh, and obviously, you know, these cohorts around the world raising interest rates. So that's certainly uh, giving them a bit of a boost to their earnings. What's offsetting that is, of course, high, higher reinsurance costs. So what for people, for viewers, basically, um, you know, your ultimate insurer is not necessarily Suncorp. They go and uh, offset their risk from another insurer who's called the reinsurer. And because of the, you know, the increase in natural disasters, uh, all very well uh, headlined, those costs are going up. So I think, you know, the earnings outlook is fairly balanced, I think, for these guys. I think the valuation is about right here as well. So I'm not finding any compelling reasons on that front. And when I look at the chart, I think the chart really reflects what I just talked about. It's almost perfectly flat. Um, so I can't get too excited. I'm, I don't think I can even get to a hold on the basis that if you're holding something, and this is really important for viewers, if you're holding something, you really should think it's going up. I think this one's probably going to go sideways at best and therefore I have to go sell. Okay, Michael, do you agree with Carl's assessment that it's a sell? Um, Suncorp's one of those businesses where you look at the, the balance sheet and the earnings are the same or lower than they were 10 years ago. The dividends are lower than where they were 10 years ago. Uh, it's a company that is stable, will be around for a long period of time, but is unlikely to generate much earnings growth. Um, they've got two components, well, they had two components of the business. About a third was the banking business, uh, and the rest was the general insurance business. They managed to offload the banking business, which was really a, a small player in the Australian market. Um, their credit rating was lower, meant their funding costs were higher, their net interest margins were lower. So they've decided to flick that part and just focus on the insurance side of things. But insurance is a pretty challenging type of business. Um, they've had year, basically insurance companies, they take your premiums, invest those premiums uh, and make a return on those premiums and then pay out uh, claims whenever they fall due. But with interest rates being so low for so long, they've been unable to generate much return on their investments. Um, that environment is slowly shifting. So they'll finally be able to start to generate some returns and some earnings from their investment portfolios. But in the short term, the value of their bond portfolios has dropped significantly because as bond yields move higher, bond prices fall. So they've got a paper loss. It's not necessarily a, a crystallized loss, but in time, if they continue to hold those investments, they should, as they approach maturity, come back to face value. Um, 
looking at premiums across the industry, they have been going up. So that is also some respite for someone like Suncorp. And they're again expected to go up next year as well. Um, but as Carl points out, reinsurance costs have gone up a lot. Suncorp's actually been quite fortunate in that they haven't had many claims in recent years. But as we all know, with Mother Nature and natural weather disasters, they're entirely unpredictable. And again, you get a situation where it's very difficult to predict the future earnings of a company like this, and therefore it's very difficult to value. So I'm gonna go for a sell, um, just because it's a very mature business that will grind along and will unlikely give you, you know, returns above the market. Okay, agreement on Suncor, it's a sell from both Carl and Michael. Let's take a look at stock number nine, which is from Brian, and it's St. Barbara, which is an Australian-based gold producer and explorer. Now its share price dived after recent earnings results, while a big investor has called for a boardroom overhaul. Carl, what are your thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, not looking too good, is it, when that happens? Uh, declining production, rising costs, uh, particularly the New Guinea uh, mine there. So they've got a mine here in WA, Leonora, Simbieri, don't quote me on the pronunciation, New Guinea, and then Atlantic in, in Canada. Uh, they're looking to offload the New Guinea one where we saw costs go from $2,000 per ounce to $3,000 per ounce Australian. That is shocking, um, but costs were rising everywhere else as well. So um, they're, they're very much a, a, a low to mid-tier producer, so producing about you know two to 300,000 ounces, about 300,000 ounces per annum. To put it into perspective, Newcrest produces about 2 million ounces per annum. Uh, their production costs are about $1,900 Australian. Newcrest is, is less much less than half of that. So a, a small to mid-tier producer at the top, top end of the cost curve uh, with declining production, operational issues, and all sorts of um, you know, activist investor problems as well. Having said that, for what's what they've got, it's it, probably a lot of it's factored in. So we've got a fair value target of about 93 cents, which is, you can see it's 89. So, uh, but it's not something I would buy on that basis because the chart looks horrendous, uh, top left, bottom right, and it just doesn't look like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. So the risk here is you go, oh, well, you know, that looks cheap, doesn't it? I mean, that that was uh, $2.40, now it's 88 cents, it must be cheap. No, 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 all that's already factored in. Never, never think like that about an investment. There's a reason why it's gone down that much. And those reasons that are in place that got it there could still be in place and it could go uh, even further down. So I'm going to go sell on this one. Okay, uh, Michael. It's been a, a tough environment for all gold producers recently, um, but I think the outlook for, for Santa Barbara um, is pretty challenged. Um, they're expecting all-in costs of production next year to be about 2,000, 2,100 Australian dollars per ounce. Um, at the moment, the Australian dollar gold price is about 2,500 or 2,500 dollars an ounce. So the margin that they have is there at the moment. They're making about $400, whatever it is, but it doesn't take much for that margin to slowly start to shrink should the gold price come under pressure. So it's definitely a high cost producer. It hasn't really managed to get its production growing consistently. In fact, it's pretty much the same as it was three, four, five years ago. The quality of the grades that they're extracting from their main mine are deteriorating, which means they have to become more efficient and it actually increases the costs per ounce. So there's a few challenges for a business like this. One of the proposed ideas as a bit of a catalyst to get the company going again is to sell off the, the Simberry mine. Um, that's the highest cost producing mine that they have. That will help them repay 
a lot of the debt that they've got as well. Um, but it's just, when you're looking at the gold producers, this one sits very low down the list. I don't think you have to take a lot of risk as you would with something like Santa Brava when you've got alternatives such as Evolution Mining, Northern Star, etc., which are lower cost producers, have higher grades, longer mine lives, um, and, and a good quality of development assets as well. So the gold, I'm not a gold bull by any means, um, but a lot of people like to have a gold company or two in their portfolio. Uh, and this one isn't it. So I'm I was going to say, is there, is there much interest in gold at the moment? It's um, a challenging one because as bond yields increase, as we're seeing, for the first time in a long time, people are actually getting a decent yield on their bond investments. Whereas for such a long period of time when bond yields were anchored towards zero, gold and treasury notes or, or international treasury bonds were pretty much seen as a like-for-like -like safe haven. So as interest rates go up, bond yields go up, all of a sudden people are preferring to park their money in the safe haven of treasuries rather than gold because gold obviously doesn't pay you any yield at all. So that's one of the, the dynamics that's playing out at the moment. Um, inflation, people suggest, has a, a bearing on the gold price, but historically that links a bit tenuous. A lot of it's about inflation expectations um, and the future inflation expectations are now that inflation will fall. So you don't really even have that inflation story or narrative supporting gold. So you've got to be careful um, at the moment. Our preference typically is for Australian-based gold producers um, because they incur their costs in Australian dollars and then sell the gold in US dollars, which historically has been a good dynamic to have. But when you've got a falling, yeah, so it's that way when you've got a falling Aussie dollar, they're actually benefiting from the currency. So that's something you want to definitely keep in mind because um, often we got a lot of Australian listed gold producers, but they've got operations in Africa or wherever it may be, and they incur their costs in, in US dollars. And then they also sell in US dollars, which means that they don't get that currency benefit when the Aussie dollar falls. So there's a few things to keep in mind. We're not huge on the gold space at the moment. We think it's uncertain and the trend in the gold price has been pretty average. So. Carl, what are your thoughts on the gold space at the moment? Uh, I'm yeah I'm I am the opposite of a gold bug so for me gold is a completely useless financial asset I still don't get it uh, I've been in this business since the early 90s and I've been from WA Amber I've I've had to endure uh, sitting next to gold bug after gold bug after gold bug over the years and I tell you what I generally say look look keep talking I just have to go over here I'll, just, I'll write it um, in my notes do not do a gold yeah, stock next time we have that's Carl. right so the sector, the sector looks terrible. The charts are awful. And in fact, I do think that the chart of gold is about to break down. So if it gets beneath, uh, uh, so let me give you the, the, the number here. Sorry, take, give me one second, I'll find it, uh, because it's an important number uh, down here. We'll just play some music. Well, play some music, one second. Uh, 1676, I should have known that. The closest <laughs> below 1676. Um, really that last bastion of demand is gone and i think we're going to see uh, 1500 gold in the not too distant future okay let's take a look at our final stock it's from tony he wants to know about bapcor it provides automotive aftermarket parts accessories and equipment as well as services in trade and retail michael what do you think about this stock this is a business that we do hold for clients and have held for a long period of time it's not held for, for every client but it's one that's been a solid performer, um, chipping away in terms of capital growth as well as, as income. Basically, they generate the majority of their earnings from after, after, aftermarket car parts um, through the Burson's network of stores. They've been rolling out Burson stores for a number of years now, so it has been a bit of a roll-up model. It's a decent, um, 
business when it comes to the economic cycle and it's pretty immune to big shifts. Um, a lot of people, if, if they're doing it tough, well, they will put off buying a new vehicle, they'll hold on to their vehicle longer and therefore they'll need to maintain it. And that does support BAPCOR, but also what they do is they sell parts to a big network of panel beaters um, and mechanics. And that network is pretty much entrenched. Um, they've got, a, a, I think, about 70 or 80% of the market when it comes to that. So basically, when you take your car into the mechanic, they won't have the part on site, but they'll look it up on a computer system and they'll have it delivered the same day or whatever it is nationally. So it's a, a very good business, good balance sheet. Uh, they continue to roll out stores. They did have a few issues with costs in the first half of the year with things like freight and labor. Um, a lot of those costs moderated um, in the second half of the year and that, was, and that enabled them for their EBITDA margin in the second half of the year to be higher than at the beginning of the year. Um, at the moment, we're not buying it for, for new clients and we're not adding more for existing clients. It's one that we'll have on the watch list. Um, it's just not that exciting at the moment in terms of the growth outlook. Uh, and for that reason, we'll just park it uh, for now That's and keep hold. an eye on it. So it's a hold um, with a view to adding it at some stage down the track. All right, Carl, what are your thoughts? Oh, ditto. I, look, I, just exactly what Michael said, it's a hold with a view to potentially adding it down the track. Uh, growth isn't, it's not, uh, you know, rocket emojis growth, right? About eight, nine percent, but it's consistent. I mean, it's just it's just metronomic because they are really a, a quite a defensive business, as Michael suggests. So um, it, now eight percent growth, whilst it doesn't sound fantastic, if you can get that growth at a really good price, uh, then then it's, it, it is exciting. Um, but I think that the price is about fair here. I th and it was the markets, it's not just uh, me and Michael that look at stocks. There are thousands of analysts out there, very clever, doing this analysis all the time. So we shouldn't be surprised if something is about fair value. And when I said Qantas looks very cheap, that's because, like some analysts, we've taken quite an optimistic view of their of their outlook, whereas some will take a more pessimistic view. So. The, 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 where you're going to get those really big opportunities is where there is probably a widespread of um, or, or, or a big disconnect between your groups of analysts. Okay, and Qantas is the perfect example because so much can go right, and so much could go wrong. When you get to something like Batcore, where I think analysts are pretty, we're all in this similar camp. Michael probably gets where I'm going with this. Um, the, 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 the range of um, possibilities is not that huge. You get a lot of centralization and it should be about fair value. So it's about fair value. Chart suggests that it's not terrible. It's not great. I can certainly go to a whole long story short, but watching it for a buy, because there is quality there. Okay, great. So we've got a whole with a view to buy from both of you. Let's uh, let's take a quick recap then on the second half of the show. Um, our first one was Better Shares Australia. There we go. Uh, Carl says sell, risks are growing for a big sell-off. Michael says hold on a very long-term horizon. A sell in the short term depends on the type of investor you, you are. So a little bit of agreeance on that one. Let's take a look at Brambles. Carl said growth going forward is good. You just have to pay the right price for it. It's fairly valued, so a hold. Uh, Michael agrees it's a hold for Brambles as well. There's some positive signs the build business in, is building, but uh, you're not too excited with it. Let's take a look at Suncorp. Uh, Carl says the earnings outlook is balanced. Valuation is right. The chart is almost flat. It's a sell from Carl. Uh, Michael says it's also a sell. Reinsurance costs have gone up. They've been fortunate. They haven't had a huge number of claims. It's very difficult to predict future earnings. So it's a double sell for Suncorp. Uh, St. Barbara, Carl says it's a sell. The chart looks horrendous. Declining production. Looking 
looking to offload their New Guinea project. He is just not interested in gold, which is noted. Uh, Michael also says a sell, the outlook is challenging. So a double sell for St. Barbara. And lastly today, Babcor. Carl says it's a hole with a view to adding it down the track. Michael also says it's a hole with potentially adding it down the track. A good business, good balance sheet, a few issues with costs, but it's moderated. So that is a quick look at our last five shares for today. And that is our show for today. A massive thank you to Carl and Michael for their opinions and insights on our top 10 stocks as well as the stock of the day. And any stocks you'd like to cover, please flick us an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at osbiztv. And just a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, you just head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Okay, coming up, uh, join us tomorrow with another 10 stocks, two experts, and of course, plenty of agreement and disagreement whether to buy, hold or sell. Coming up next is the small caps. Daniel Roberts will break down Iris Energy's latest results. I'm Amber Sherlock. See you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.